Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Cole bennett Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescents, ours and theirs. What you're about to hear was recorded with a live studio audience in New York City. Cara and I had the privilege of sitting down in person with Dr. Lisa Pressman, host of the Raising Good Humans podcast. And it was a pretty magical evening. It was filled with honesty and laughter and some tears. And also, we got to talk about the hard questions of how do we both care for kids, support kids, love kids, and also set boundaries. How do we protect our own feelings while also not making it about us when we care for our kids? And how do we learn to reinvent ourselves a little bit in order to better be there for the kids in our lives? We hope you enjoy listening to it as much as we loved recording it. So this is kind of like Bruce Springsteen on Broadway, (laughs) except we're not Bruce Springsteen and we're on Amsterdam. But like besides that, it's kind of the same thing. It's a little bit dark. So I'm just like imagining the expression that you're all pulling. And also we want to be here and present with you. Um, It's an incredible privilege. Elise is going to shake her head when I say this, but to have Aliza Pressman here, who really kindly organized a whole trip. Oh, wait, is that Sue Steinberg? 
Sue Steinberg. Okay. <laughs> Sue has moved. So Sue and Mary Pat, you will hear often mentioned on the podcast, and they are here in person. Um, sorry, Lisa. Did we press record? Because we often forget when we're Zooming to press record. Just so making Press sure. record. Matt, did you press record? Great. <laughs> <laughs> so, Aliza, for those of you who listen to the podcast, you will know that we refer to Aliza on probably a weekly basis. <laughs> it's a weekly podcast. Um, <laughs> so you can do the math. And she is highly credentialed, but she's also highly human. And that's what we love about her. We wanted to name tonight's episode with Aliza, how not to lose our shit when our kids are surly, angry, rude, disrespectful, inconsolable, uncontrollable, um, AKA caring for kids through mood swings. So when you look at Apple Podcasts, you'll see caring for kids through mood swings. But when you sit here with us, you know what we really mean when we say that. Aliza, thank you so much for being here with us. We did buy her drink before it started, so hopefully that helps. That's the that's the fun part. We're going to find out. <laughs> the wild card. So, Cara. Okay, I'm starting. Aliza, you give incredible advice that we quote all the time. But as we referenced in our long version title, we'd like to know if you've ever lost your shit. And if so, how do you pull yourself together? I have, which I'm sure is really surprising <laughs> to hear. I'm shocked. I have lost it many times and I pull myself together fairly quickly because when I lose my shit, my particular type of kids, I guess, think it's funny because I get <laughs> like like an angry little person who's just like, I will not be disrespected. And I'm so mad and I get so red and then everybody laughs at me. And then they say, we'd like to refer you to a podcast called Raising Good Humans. <laughs> and so it it sort of works itself out that way, but it's humiliating every time and also undermines my point where I was right, <laughs> but I lost my shit. Is that what you say? Excuse me. <laughs> I just want everyone to acknowledge that I was right. Like I was a hundred percent right. I didn't handle it in my favorite way. That is most of the time when I lose it is just, I get too out of control to be scared. What, what are the button pushers that you maybe you experience or maybe you hear about the most? Because I think it's very helpful for people when they're listening to the podcast to understand that the buttons that are pushed for them are not necessarily singular, right? And that so many people have similar buttons. So what are some of the most common ones that you hear about and how does it play out for you? Well, the most common ones I hear about are whatever triggers you personally, like whatever is the thing that you are most insecure about as a parent or most insecure about as a person, if that comes up as and it's reflected in your child's behavior or their response to you, that is just a recipe for you to be <laughs> utterly undone and certain about how right you are and how wrong they are, because otherwise your whole purpose is destroyed and <laughs> your sense of self isn't and your sense of your parenting 
So that that's it. And it's so different for everyone. For me, it's typically something along the lines of mostly executive function problems, actually. Like my personal weakness, it will drive me insane. When you see it. When I see it. When we left the bar before we came here, (laughs) Elisa's shit was everywhere. It was like all over the table. And I was like, okay, can you get your coat? Good. Do you have your phone? Great. Can you get your bag? Good. (laughs) Mother of four in action. Thank you. And it felt so like a warm bath. (laughs) It did. But would I do that for my kids? No, I would just be undone over the fact that how could they possibly have not remembered certain things? But as someone with, dare I say, very high executive functioning, I can say that, right, Dana? My sister's here. Yes. (laughs) Um, I also become undone when I have those skills and my kid doesn't have those skills. And I watch them and I'm like, why is your crap all over the floor every night? Like we just went through it and cleaned it up. And then it's like, somehow it happens all over again. So when we see something in our kids, like you're talking about the situation where they have what we have, but what happens when they don't have what we have? Also quite triggering for some people. (laughs) Basically the only untriggering things are between... Which is this much I'll, I'll, But I'll give you a triggering scenario there. Um, all of their friends have it right. and they don't have it, right? right? And that is sometimes triggering and embarrassing. Yeah. Right? That's actually publicly making a parenting decision in general is also so hard for people. But you know what really helps is to point out in public <laughs> that other people's children have it and your children <laughs> I've don't. never done that. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Okay, so essentially the only people who aren't triggered are the perfect people with perfect children. Yes. Great. Okay. Anyone anyone here fit into that category? Great. Okay, Mary Pat. My good. mom's raising yeah. her hand. Liz. Yes. You're all good. But and so of course important, my mom. Which I know you say, we all say, so important to acknowledge that it is those moments of discord that are actually also building relationship and resilience when you have repair and letting your kids know that in fact, even though they think you're perfect, there is no such thing as perfect and that you also are okay with that. So even though we lose our, are we just cursing? We are. We're going there. Even though we lose our shit, if more often than not, we're not losing our shit and we repair when we do lose our shit, it's so wonderful to build on that and not feel awful. Because we talk about this all the time. Well, we, we, Vanessa and I talk about this all the time. (laughs) On every episode. On every episode. We tell our, our kids and the kids in our lives all the time that failure is good. And yet if they- Cara really embraces that. I really do. So when I fail on a daily basis and I show my kids how I pull my, right? I mean, it is a little bit of modeling there. Absolutely. It's that you could say failure is- right an opportunity, but if you don't actually fail in front of them and forgive yourself, you've, right. It's, so it's what does it message. sound like? Okay. What does it sound like? You come home, your kid like hasn't done their homework. Their sports stuff is all over the front hall. For I mean, instance, just a for instance. This might've happened in my house every single <laughs> night for the last huh? 19 years. Okay. There's stuff's everywhere. The dishwasher is empty, but there are dirty plates in the sink. 
there's like an entire bottle of toothpaste squirted in the sink as if it died in a homicide. (laughs) So what do you do, right? Like the ire, the rage is bubbling up inside of you and you cannot believe you have raised a child who would create such a pile of filth and they're disrespecting everything you've ever asked them to do on a daily basis. So what do you do? Ideally, yes. More often than not, yes. Is you acknowledge you are not being chased by a tiger. You do not need to set the emergency alarm. And just doing that is an, which by taking a breath, if you, you know, were saying something like, I'm not being chased by a bear. I'm not being chased by a tiger. This is something that could be dealt with in five minutes after I've done something for myself. That saves you so much trouble. Just acknowledging that you can shut the alarm off. There's no threat. It just sucks. It's just annoying. And it feels disrespectful. But mostly it feels disrespectful because you're writing a story of the future, which is I've raised little shits. (laughs) And like... That's not the story. Just today. Oh, we're gonna, no, we're going to get there. We are going to get there. <laughs> but today, today, in this moment, some or all of your kids were not thoughtful in the way that you have raised them for 19 years. But that's today. And just recognizing that it's not an emergency and it's not the whole future can really protect you and your children from losing it. So is that the mantra? I'm not being chased by a bear. Yeah. All right, or I- fill in whatever whatever your biggest fear is. For me, it would be it's a shark. It's not a shark. So I'm just going to say that um, I saw the future this past weekend when I went to visit my daughter at college, and it turns out that she lives the way that she lived at home, which I always thought was disrespectful to me. It's her, her authentic self. Yeah, that is who she is, and that is how she lives. And it made me feel so much better because it wasn't about me. It's nothing to do with it you. It was really not about me. I, I was not permitted into my son's <laughs> house on visiting weekend because he was like, "It's not no, for you. It's it's mom. There's there's clean laundry all over my bed." <laughs> You're right. I was like, "Uh huh." Yeah, I bet there is. Okay, so I'm not being chased by a bear or a shark or I have like a weird caterpillar fear. Does anyone have a weird caterpillar fear? That's a very slow run. They're like hairy and gross. Like they really gross me out. And I don't I feel, have that. But see, you need to okay. personalize it. I'm not okay. being chased by a caterpillar. So but the problem is I can like definitely outrun a caterpillar. Like so maybe, can. okay. <laughs> Ooh. Oh my God. Who's the heartless person in the audience who says step on it? <laughs> okay. Or step on it. Vanessa's um, very excited by that idea. I'm like, oh, no, I don't do that. I'm like scared by them, but I do like just move away from But them. I'm not being chased by a caterpillar. Also may ignite a little bit of a giggle in you and that will still turn your nervous system back to, a, you know, something that is not going to lose their shit. So let's talk about humor for a second. Okay. Because it's very hard to find our humor aside when we are angry mm-hmm. or hurt or upset, or we have a kid who's having really, really, really big feelings. Mm-hmm. And big feelings could be anything from sobbing hysterically to laughing hysterically to shouting to utter silence. So like, 
what do we do? How do we get to that place? Because it's not a, I'm being chased by a bear slash caterpillar slash shark. It's like, I am trying to reach this kid and they feel unreachable. So what does that sound like? You still need to tell yourself you are not being chased by a caterpillar mm. because <laughs> Eric Carl, just wait, there's a new, there's a new book coming out because you have to regulate yourself and remind yourself that we have a stress response. Humans have a stress animals have a stress response. We have to be able to say, okay, I'm not under attack here. There's no threat. Now I'm available to be present for a child, whether or not they want direct contact is another, that's next step. But the first is I'm not being chased by a caterpillar so that you get your breath so that you're coming in absent of your own stuff. So you can co-regulate. And even if that means you're sitting quietly reminding yourself you're present unless, again, that's pushing your kid away more and maybe they need space. They're at an age where that's actually more dysregulating. And then it's like, I am going to, you know, check on my own self. Then I'm going to be available. My oxygen mask is on, all of that. Then you can be present for a kid. I wouldn't use humor with a sobbing kid because they may, unless that's your... They might <laughs> shoot you through yeah, the heart. <laughs> that might feel disrespectful. But you might use it for yourself just to get through that moment. Some people find comfort in that. Some people need to just actually say, I'm a good mom having a, you know, having a time right now and I've got a good kid and all is good and we're good. But most of the time, if you just, and it takes two seconds to just do the, I'm not being chased by a caterpillar. <laughs> and then you can check in and see what your kid needs and you'll know your kid best. But that second piece is so important because there's an empathy piece, right? Yeah. If we have stress responses. We, whether it's a parent, a coach, a teacher, anyone who's around a kid who is amped up and having these big feelings. And then the kid is having a stress response. Exactly. I mean, when, when we teach in classrooms, both Vanessa and I have had the same experience where we ask kids, you know, how many of you, fourth graders, how many of you have felt like you've cried at a time where you really didn't need to cry or you're laughing hysterically, can't stop, or your anger is out of control? And 100% of them will raise their hand. And then you say to them, how many of you like it? And not one hand goes up. So the empathy piece becomes very important in terms of stepping outside of yourself and recognizing that they are being chased by Vanessa's caterpillar right exactly. then and there. Yeah. And the only way for you to see that is mm -hmm. because you've shut your alarm mm -hmm. systems off and now you're available to say, okay, now I can help co-regulate here because this other human is being chased by a caterpillar. Okay. But now what happens when you have a child in the situation who really doesn't want a co-pilot mm -hmm. in the situation? What's the best advice? You are being a co-pilot quietly by doing your work and go busy yourself nearby for when they're ready. Because the message, the most important message for them is, not to say it for the 700th time, but all feelings are welcome, all behaviors are not. I was waiting for you to say it. <laughs> because they are over time, and this is, this is going to happen many, many, many times, when it doesn't send you over the edge each time, they're learning that 
these are just feelings and they're going to come and go and you're confident that they will, that you believe them, that you're going to make sure to be there and available if they need to talk it out or cry it out or a hug, but also that it's not throwing you into a tailspin or feeling like you're getting chased by this caterpillar because you are confident that this is temporary. But what if you feel like something's wrong? Like, I don't mean wrong very, very concerning mental health issues. But I mean, something happened at school today and they came home or you're an educator and a kid walks back into the classroom from recess and you're like, "Mm -mm, something happened, but they're like clamming up or they're stoic or they're clearly upset, but they won't. Like, yes, we can be there kindly and quietly and empathetically or empathically. We haven't decided if those are both words, empathetically and empathically. So anyone here who's a linguist, let us know. What does that investigation sound like or not sound like? Well, it can't have a spin or a lesson or an ulterior motive. If it's actual curiosity, Mm -hmm. like I am so aware that you're going through something right now and I'm curious what's, what's happening for you and how can I be helpful? then you say that. If you can't, that's why you need to keep on making sure that you're- It's so much better than what's wrong. Right. <laughs> My signature line, what's wrong? What's wrong? Well, we all- I Not mean, effective. It's it's not effective and it's natural. We, we see it. We're like, something's up. But you're better off saying, let's go for a drive. Or if you're in Manhattan, you know, let's go for, let's walk and I have to pick up the groceries or come with me. I need help with blah, blah, blah. You're just helping them get out of whatever space they're in to then have the opportunity to open up to you. But going right in, unless you've got a discloser, like there there are kids who are like, you know, that you don't even need to ask them because they come right in and tell you. But for the kids for whom that's not useful, you're much better off just kind of saying, I see something's up. I'm available whenever you want to talk about it. Also, if you need me to leave you alone right now, say the word. What I love about that is I've been guilty for so many years of telling my kids how they feel, which I do because I really think I know, you know. because I'm sure I'm right. But um, now you just do it to me. Now I just do it to <laughs> Vanessa on Zoom every day. Um, but you no, know, I, I think we do make the mistake of trying to tell them what we, the emotion we think we see. And Um, When they were little, when they were babies and toddlers, we were trying to teach them the word for the emotion that they had. But by the time they go through puberty, that is not a great strategy. No, it's like, don't tell me how I feel. (laughs) Um, And how could you understand how I even feel? So if you lean, if you're over aware and all knowing, then you can't be curious. If you listen to enough of our episodes, you'll hear us preach the importance of air, particularly down there. Airing out body parts reduces sweatiness, stinkiness, and skin irritation. And it feels amazing to air it all out after a long day in tight, sweaty clothes. Which is why we created the Oom Short. Super soft, lightweight, with wide legs and a low crotch. All help air flow. Designed for all genders in all sizes, literally down to kids extra small and up to men's extra large. Everyone who wears them tells us they've never been so comfy. 
Get your shorts at myoomla.com. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky and I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, Magnesium Breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at bioptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is Factors ready-to-eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our Factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never-frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box. And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. 
And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. So let's talk about the two words weird and annoying. Does anyone here have children and their two words in their vocabulary are weird and annoying? <laughs> and those are the only two words they use. Right. Okay. So let's say, do you want to go to this thing? No, that kid is weird. Well, why is that kid weird? They're annoying. Right. Yeah. And it's like, how was school today? It was annoying. What happened? Well, this weird thing happened. Right. It's like, it's as if they only have two. So how do you like they're expressing to you, but you're like, there's a whole reservoir of language underneath those two words. And in order for me to be like authentically engaged with you, I need you to actually unpack what weird and annoying means. How do you do that? What does that sound like? Well, if you keep getting those answers, yeah. I would enter with different questions that aren't, that aren't, <laughs> huh, <laughs> that aren't, you know, there's something about like, it's lazy. It's just like, I don't want to deal with this right now. Right. I don't want to explain it. So it's not going to change with a new but, understanding. But wait, I just want to say, I don't believe in lazy children. I'm like, right. I don't believe in lazy children. But I believe in lazy vocabulary. Yeah, it's lazy vocabulary. Yes. But you're not going to get more, like, richer vocabulary if they weren't interested in sharing with you. Whereas if you ask them about something they're interested in or come at anything with their interest, it will work its way to a much clearer picture of what's going on for them. Because really, do you need to know how the day was? Like, it's not that how their day was globally doesn't really matter. What, how, I know it's, <laughs> honey, I actually don't give a shit how your day was. <laughs> Mommy's going to pour herself a glass of wine and have some crudite. I do. I will say that with my two kids, I have one who's a discloser and one who's like, what do you give a hell how my day was? Like, why do you always ask me that? And what I noticed is that I over ask my one who never says anything. And the one who's the discloser, she's like, you didn't ask how the test went. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you're going to tell me. (laughs) And then she hears me asking my younger one. And I'm just like, how is, you know, the they call their teachers by their first name at her school. And so I'll say like, how was Justin today? Did he notice blah, blah, blah. And she's just like, my other one says, why do you know all of her teacher's names and every detail (laughs) of everything? But it's because I have no idea how to get anything out of her unless I have these specific questions. But in general, I have found it is easier to ask yourself, why do I need to know this information? Am I curious or am I just kind of showing them I'm interested through a more traditional route? And maybe that's not the way to them. You mean how I ask every day, (laughs) what was for lunch today? (laughs) And they're like, but I think you're really curious, actually. You might be really curious. Well, mostly because if it's pasta, then you can bet a hundred dollars that it's pasta for dinner. So I'm like, great, <laughs> well balanced <laughs> diet. So the one, let's talk about the one who's like not gonna give it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cara and I often talk about the ones who make us feel, I don't know, is invisible. That's the a, right word. That's one good word. Yeah. Okay, that's a nice word. 
That's a nice word. Yeah. What, what word would <laughs> like, you use? I don't know. I mean, pointless. It, it, yes. There we go. Useless. Pointless, useless. Yeah. But invisible. I'd go with invisible. So what do we do with the invisible? Because like, do we double down? Are we like, I, I do, and it does not work. Let me I just think you know the clear. answer. I yes. asked that question for a friend <laughs> Yes, I, sitting I next to me. Do we double down? I mean, you put your cat suit on and you hide your dog tail and yeah. you mind your own business, but are available and present. Can you do your best cat pose? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, this is not evidence-based what I'm about to say, but I believe that if somebody wanted to do this study, it would be really, I would, my hypothesis is accurate, but I am a dog. Were I an animal, I would be like a golden retriever and you would know how I feel and if I'm excited and I would tell you all the time and it would just be great if you like dogs (laughs) and adolescents don't all like dogs. like dogs. Yeah. They eventually will come back to liking dogs and they might've loved having a dog up until they became an adolescent. But now they're sort of like looking for a cat. And so you just have to, you know. I, those of you listening, you can't see Lisa do, she has like She's a shoulder a, move a cat that shoulder like roll. portrays a cat. <laughs> Mephistopheles, right? Isn't that- <laughs> I can't think about cats ever since the movie came out. But I didn't um, see it because it would have ruined it for me. Yeah. Okay, so we're doing the so shoulder. We're cat. Ju- you're just, you're still a loving pet. But you're not, you're at the edge of the couch. You're there. You don't care if they come to you or not. You're available, but you're not leaving. You're not, you're not huffing away because they're not interested. You're just a little bit less eager because the eager feels like, uh, and the cat, you're, you're thinking, why don't you, why don't you want me to pet you right now? And so it's not playing games. It's just finding your own inner cat and just allowing that cat to just be a little bit less interested. You don't know this about Alisa, but she doesn't like cats. (laughs) I don't. I really don't. So this is very hard for me. I hope I didn't just disclose something. No, I mean, I love all animals, obviously. Whatever. I'm not a cat person. I don't like caterpillars. (laughs) I'm allergic to cats. And cats make me feel incredibly insecure, frankly. Part of why I don't. They're very arrogant. Yes. Yes. But 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 I will. But you you want them to like you. You want them to like you. So. Um, for my non-communicator, I I've one heavy communicator and one non-communicator in my house as well. <laughs> is that related to a heavy petter? It is, it is <laughs> and it all works with the cat analogy. So with my non-communicator, what I've learned to do is go into the room. I mean, it's so cat-like. Who knew? And I will go into the room, not say anything, and just lay down on the bed. Exactly. And I'm just... There. You're just there. I'm just there. No agenda. No agenda, no eye contact. Mm-hmm. It's actually very comfortable to just lay on the bed. Do you fall asleep? Sometimes <laughs> I might. I might. But it's that's when the conversations begin. Exactly. When I don't care. And it's not because you don't love your child. It's just the day-to-day minutia becomes a little bit less interesting yeah. to you. But you're also faking it. I mean, let's no, be honest. This is to not make it authentic. Real. But it... But it's like, yeah, it's it. not authentic. Because you, you if you were being well, authentic, they would like. My authentic self is is obviously very, you know, 
curious and asking what'd you do today? How'd it go? What'd you think? How was the test? <laughs> what it. do you have for homework? So you're right. When's, it's, but it's I, not but I think if you can make it authentic because teenagers and all oh, kids, they smell, are, they smell yeah, the right. inauthentic part of it. But I will tell you that I have really developed like a part of me that's like, you know what? I don't even care what you ate for lunch. How about that? And I really mean it. I'm like, should I, I try do that I care? tomorrow? You should go I don't back to care. flex that muscle. <laughs> and it's not because you don't and then love I do them. The and then you do the cat thing. <laughs> no, it's, no it's just, you know, it, it's almost like practicing something that you really want to get done or something that you're really into, even if it's a dumb TV show. But, but here's why it is authentic. I'm going to push back and say it's authentic because ultimately you really care about them. And they know when you're doing that, that you're trying to get in in any way you can. And that's why they start talking. It's a little endearing. Come on. When somebody's like a, a dog and they're dressed in a cat suit and their tail's like a little bit sticking out, you're like, all yes. right, I'll give you a bone. Exactly. <laughs> and they do. They say one thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then they're like, dismiss. <laughs> <laughs> but then you have to respect the dismissal. Okay. So we're going to switch gears mm-hmm. because for someone here, it might have been a banner weekend of lying in their house. I'm sorry. Yeah. To whomever that is. Yes. To whomever that might be. What do we do with lying? Okay. Let's imagine our kid tells us something. We know they're lying. I'm terrified of you right now. Yeah, you should be. (laughs) I can be really scared. My daughter said to me recently, she's like, your stern face has gotten so good. Um, so like kids lie, yes. right? Kids lie all the time. They lie about big stuff. They lie about small stuff. They lie for any number of reasons, which I hope you will share with mm-hmm. us and make us feel better about why we raise such goddamn liars. liars. Um, <laughs> like what's the, what's, what's the strategy there? Once I say I'm not being chased by a bear. Cause really when my kid lies to me, I'm like, that bear like is like ca- right caterpillar. behind me. Yeah. Right. So strategy one. I'm not being chased by the caterpillar. Right. Then we'll get to kind of the different reasons for lying. But I would say just to set yourself up for success, if you know that your child is lying, don't ask them a question that you Hmm. absolutely know you're going to get a lie back for because you're setting them up and you know you are. So you're much better off. I'm terrified of you. (laughs) I'm just like, it's just like running through my head. I'm like, okay. Because it feels like I caught you, but actually it sets them up to lie because- More, to lie more. to lie more. And so you (laughs) just, to lie more. So a few reasons for lying, one of which is rarely for funsies, right? It's unusual that a kid is just- Well, at a certain age. Young kids. Young children. But- the adolescents are not yeah. lying because they're like, let's let's just mess with <laughs> for Mom. shits and giggles. Yeah, unless they're, you know, that is a possibility, but it's unlikely. And if that's the case, that's a different conversation. And you do need, obviously, if a child is entertained by harming someone emotionally, that's a different discussion, that's but that's not this. Usually it's they dug themselves into a hole and they feel like, Perhaps this is a time I can lie and then I will sort this out and then I will write this. Or they're afraid of the consequences and they're thinking, ask for forgiveness, not permission. Mm. Or they're scared of you. 
They're just scared of you and they don't want to disappoint or get yelled at or whatever it is. And I guess another reason could be a control thing. Like they just feel too controlled. And, and just to be super clear, it is completely normal for so kids. So normal. Right? It's developmentally appropriate yes. for them to lie. It's developmentally appropriate from the time that they figure out that they can lie. It's which their is school superpower. Age. Right. It's appropriate. However, they also have a conscience, which is the thing that the, the bear that's chasing you is the idea that this kid lied to you and therefore you've raised a child with no conscience. Mm-hmm. It's nothing else, right? It's not actually. Well, if it's they, a couple other things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it big picture is, again, writing the, the future story. And it's bleak if you're like, well, I raised a lying kid. Like that is it's just a terrible path. You know, and and it hurts. It hurts our feelings. It hurts our sense of duty and honor and what all of those things get called into question. But if you can remind yourself, their job is going to be to sometimes figure out a way out of a hole. And this is one way out that feels good for a moment. It is important that it doesn't feel good for a long time because you want them to have that moral rudder. But in the moment, it feels like a solve. So how do we both address the lie and help them dig themselves out of the hole, right? Because there have to be consequences. Absolutely. And they should be measured against the scope of the crime. So if it's a little lie, it's an acknowledgement. So like, did you do your homework? Oh, yes. And then you get an email from the Spanish teacher the next day that's like, we haven't received your child's homework in six months. Right. Okay. So that example <laughs> is then then the consequence is what's going on? Right. I didn't think that I still had to monitor mm-hmm. in this way. But what I've found out is I do. And I want to sit with you and figure out what's happening. And I definitely know that you don't want me controlling how you do your homework, when you do your homework, and all of these things, you've gotten to an age where you can manage this yourself, but you seem to be struggling because how would you have gotten here? And what is this about? So I would, I think, even more double down on the caterpillar not chasing you because how can you possibly engage in what is a real problem that they're going through? They've gotten themselves into a real bind. And then if they're feeling disarmed and that they can then tell you what's really happening, you can move forward. There are still consequences, but the consequences are about what needs to happen to catch up with all that work and how much more monitoring they need, which they don't like. And you'll have to give them a little bit less freedom. And until they've shown that responsibility and put that time in, of course, it's going to have consequences with their social life and the things that they want to be doing. So there are ways to do it without going into you are a liar because you are a liar is shaming because it's who you are right? and they're not liars. When it's a lie that is sort of a, not a more benign lie, but sort of a more stereotypical lie. Um, they went to a party they weren't supposed to. They, you know, that sort of scope of lie. What is your philosophy on letting them drive the consequences versus the adults in the room driving the consequences? And I ask this in part because 
we are all raising and around kids who are connected to devices that are their tether to the outside world in every way. It's their whole social life is that phone. And our first consequences often take the device away, but then the question becomes, does that untether them from everything else and ways of solving their own internal drama or dilemma, right? So when you ask them what the consequences should be, often they come up with a whole list of consequences that don't particularly that tolerable. They're totally <laughs> tolerable. And so how does someone balance it, whether they've got a younger kid or an older kid? Like, what does that look like? Well, you want the consequences to make sense. They need to be connected to what happened. So the taking the phone away does feel like the only pain point, but is it related to what they did? Because if it's not, if you are going to take it away, you want to relate it to that. I do think that sitting down and saying, depending on the child's age, that collaborating enough on, so what do we do here? Mm. Like what feels fair to you is fine. If you have the temperament for that, I know a lot of people don't have that temperament because it feels permissive. It's not because you're giving a consequence, but I really think it depends. Usually when kids come up with consequences and when kids come up with problem solving, they own it more. Mm. But it has to be aligned with your belief that it was an appropriate consequence. So it might be a suggested consequence. Mm. And I do think it's also okay to say, I need to get past how I feel about being lied to. So I don't want to solve this yet. I need a little bit of space. So kids often hurt our feelings, particularly kids this age, right? They lie or they're disrespectful or they're unkind or they explode at us or they ignore us. What role do our feelings play in that conversation? Like, are we allowed to say, you know what? It really hurt my feelings when you did X. Or are we supposed to just like, hold it back because it's not about us. It's about them. Only you know. Like, if you feel that this has upset you to a point where it's making you so upset that you need to express it, you're better off expressing it in a reasonable, intentional way than pretending that you're not feeling it and having them go through all the work that it takes to try to mind read. So... It's always okay to say anything about your own feelings as long as you say, I will take care of those feelings because I don't depend on you for self-regulation, but I can't take care of them until I've taken a bit of time. So I'm going to go in the other room or I'm going to go do some self, I'm going to take a run or I'm just fantasizing that I would do that. Um, <laughs> I didn't know you were such a runner. Yeah. Like I just always feel better after a run. And so whatever it is. <laughs> but like, is that something you say out loud? Yes. Like, I'm going to take a breath. Of course. You, you ungrateful little turd. You, <laughs> you can say anything as long as the, I mean, here are the things that I would not say. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> Whatever that Mike, tells you, microphone. I apologize to an inanimate object. Um, you wouldn't want to say they are blank. Their behavior was blank, but they are not a... So not you are an ungrateful turd. The you are acting like an ungrateful <laughs> turd. <laughs> yes, that is better. Your behavior or your actions are, I don't know how to say You can't say turd. turd. I don't think you would ever say the word properly. turd. Yeah. But yes, because you're distinguishing, I love you 
I know you're on balance, a wonderful human being. (laughs) This was not your best day action wise. That's important because then you're believing in them as a person and just utterly displeased with their behavior. And the second thing is that if you're talking about your feelings, that it's not that they're responsible for fixing your feelings. Those two things are the only sort of super off limits when you can help it, things to say. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to say you ungrateful little turd. That sounds so silly coming out of my mouth. Um, Or whatever it is at some point. But more often than not, you want to separate their behavior from their actions. And more often than not, you don't want them to feel like they are in charge of your feelings. So even if what their actions did made you feel a particular way, you know how to get yourself back to zero. That's just an important message because- You go for a run. You go for a run because that's what healthy people do. (laughs) Um, And so those are two perfectly healthy ways of articulating disappointment without burdening your kid with something developmentally inappropriate, which is that they should always get it right and that they should always make sure you're okay. And what if you're still angry the next day? Then you say, I'm still angry. This is taking me longer than I thought. I still love you. I'm not ready to talk about it yet. That's okay. What what would be unhealthy is if you were not ready to talk to them yet. So like cold shoulder. Cold shoulder. That's not healthy. That's conditional love. You want to continue to say, I love you through all of this. So please don't get confused. But that really shook me. And I just, I need to figure out how to address it. And I don't want to address it until I've figured it out in a thoughtful way. Because otherwise you'll do and say things you regret, which they've done. They probably regret it. And we do need to model for them a better impulse control. You don't like I my mean, answer. Do you see why we love her? I think we should just like pack it in now and move in with Elisa. I know. I'm sure my kids would agree. More, do you want six more children? <laughs> I just, again, want to say that my kids have referenced that I should talk to an expert at some point <laughs> often. So try being the hosts of the puberty yeah. podcast. I'm sure that's ridiculous. <laughs> so it's so much easier said than done, but I keep saying more often than not so that everybody understands that this really is just more often than not. It's not all the time. So if, for example, you lost your, if this person who experienced this this weekend. This theoretical person who had a theoretical experience with lying. But I just, lying makes us, for some of us, talk about, to tie it back to the beginning, that is a trigger for many Mm -hmm. people, especially if you've been really like, you can be honest with me. You can tell me anything. I'm always going to be here. You'll never get in trouble. You'll never regret what you've said to me, even if I have to give you consequences, they will still be better. All the stuff that I know that you're probably saying, it hurts even more because you're like, I don't use fear-based parenting. I'm not the kind of person that is un, you know, that is not able to talk about a number of things that most of us wouldn't talk about. Like vulvas. Like, like I'll vulvas. talk to you about vulvas. Why are you lying right. to me about <laughs> all this stuff? But all of our children at some point or another are going to try that out. And it's important for them to see how it feels. And it may need to happen multiple times because how they feel on the inside is their moral rudder that they need to experience. And if you over punish 
and it doesn't meet the crime, you're removing the moral rudder because then they have to fight for their own, like, place of, listen, it was bad, but it wasn't that bad. Chill out. You don't want to hear that. That'll make you so mad that you'll want to prove that it was even worse. But we don't want them to have to prove to us that they didn't do, it wasn't that big a deal. We're supposed to help them understand you blew it. You get another chance. There are consequences. I need to think about it. I didn't like it. How did it feel for you? All those things are more important than proving that once a liar, always a liar. And now the the trust (laughs) is broken and it's over. Was that Tennessee Williams? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. Well, and, and, and I think the recognition that we are afraid in that moment that this is who they are as a human, Mm -hmm. it's, it's very powerful to acknowledge that and to let go of that too, right? Much of the things that happen, especially with older kids, but this even happens with younger kids is you, you write a story and that's the thing that's making you so upset. You write a horror story. You write the absolute horror story. And if you can remove it, it's so liberating. If you just think about that exact moment and you really check in with yourself, like, would this be the worst thing in the world if it's just this and it never happens again? It would not be. My husband and I like to play a game. It's called, what do we think happened here? And then we (laughs) write the story of what happened. That's very funny. Sometimes we're pretty on point. It's not a horror story. It's like a, what's in between a romantic comedy and a horror film? Dystopian? TikTok? (laughs) (laughs) You guys don't get out much. Okay, that's fine. I don't know. Um, Aliza, you are such a gift. You're podcast, Raising Good Humans, is fantastic. We are so grateful for your brilliance and your empathy. For God's sake. And your catness, <laughs> your cat-likeness. That was really scientific. I'm pretty proud of that. It's very, <laughs> we like to talk about how we're evidence-based. Yeah. Um, the cat is not evidence-based, but it's very entertaining. Thank you for being here and being with us and for our first ever live podcast recording. It's so great. Thank you for having me on this wonderful, amazing podcast. And I love both of you so much. I'm actually going to say I'm not being chased by a caterpillar just for fun and to see if it just like makes, makes you me giggle. Smirk. Car, what are you going to say? About caterpillars? No, what like what are you of? not what's being my, chased by? What's my signature line? Yeah. I haven't come up with it yet, but maybe by the end of this dual recording, I will. You'll come up with your mantra? Yeah. Cara meditates, so she has like real mantras. I do. I have fake mantras. (laughs) Maybe my new mantra will be caterpillar. Caterpillar. (laughs) Um, Aliza, thank you. Can everyone give Aliza a hand? Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts. Or check out our Instagram, at The Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye. Hold up. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.